With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, welcome to episode nine of Leading Off Podcast. Uh, this is now a full Twins Daily Podcast, I guess. As uh, of course I'm Matthew Braun, and uh, I spoiled it for you. But who are you? I yes, Super Carlson here. This is our first official Twins Daily Podcast, as I am now a member there. That's pretty good. Yeah, there we go. We made our trade for cash considerations or a player to be named later, <laughs> and we did acquire Cooper. So. You've been thinking about come up, take all week, come up with that one. That's pretty good. Uh, no, I actually just thought about it right now. Uh, wow. Because that's how good I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we have a uh, – if you noticed, we missed last week because we had life things going on. And uh, I believe this is probably going to be an extra spicy one this week. I'm feeling it. I think this is a lot to talk about, a lot to go over. How about you? Yeah, all of our built-up anger is about to come out in this one, I think. Just rage and pure yeah. hatred. Pure, eh, okay, well, that's putting it a little harsh, but <laughs> me. Yeah, no, not really. Maybe. Might but, get a yeah. little more contentious than usual, certainly. Yes. So, as always, start with how the week went. And the first game went terribly because they lost to the Mets. And I didn't think you were supposed to do that. I thought you had to beat the Mets. That was written in law or something. And, uh... Well, they did not do that. Lost a 3-2 heartbreaker. Close, uh, close one, excuse me. They could have won at the end. Uh, Pineda went six. Had a usual Pineda game. Mattel did okay. Parker did uh, okay. McGill did okay. Bullpen actually did shot. Surprise. The uh, Mets had a, an interesting day because Zach Wheeler was put on the aisle earlier that day. So they ran Stephen Matz for four innings. And then just a crap ton. What is it? Like six relievers then? Cover the rest of it. Uh, nine innings and the Twins had bases loaded uh, going into you know, in the ninth with two outs, and Nelson Cruz popped out, uh, which is right after uh, Luis Arise had the most ice, yeah, cold-blooded uh, plate appearance ever. He came off the bench cold and took a walk against Edwin Diaz. But alas, it was for naught, and they lost 3-2. Yeah, that was... That was, you know, not a fun game, I guess. But that last inning was exciting. The rise of the bat talked about all over Twitter and everything for about two days. That was insane. So oh, ended up missing, I think, three games from that, from the oblique strain, which we'll get more into later. But, yeah, we ended up losing. Couldn't come up with the big hit at the end. But, and so, we, you know, we took that uh, slight momentum, moved on to game two, and lost 14-4 to uh, against the Mets. <laughs> This one was against another lefty, Jason Vargas, who went six innings, three earned runs, pitched pretty well throughout the offense. I mean, it did fine, not, well, not really. He's got four runs, Martin Perez, he did very well, went six innings, gave up just one earned run, two runs overall, five hits, struck out four, one walk. 
Then this was a game where Trevor May got his little struggle started. A the O2 curveball was hung and just destroyed, and that from there it kind of went bad. McGill came on, gave up six runs, none earned. His ERA went down despite him giving up six runs. Rosario dropped that ball, as we all likely remember. And the game actually cost McGill a job, but luckily we got to see the debut of pitcher Iri Adrianza. He uh, went one inning, gave up three runs. So yeah. overall, not a great game, or even a – nope, it was a pretty bad game overall. Yeah, that that'd certainly just be a, a crap game. I don't think there's any two ways about it. When uh, There's no real good way you can slice losing by 10, like ever. So especially considering where it was, I mean, they were going into the seventh with the lead, and then it just snowballed from there. The net scored three runs, then six runs, then three runs. Well, that really tells you all you need to know about how that went. So best, uh, I think it's best that we move on from such things. But that did mm-hmm. actually cause uh, the Twins to finally lose three straight games the first time this year. <laughs> so rest in peace, that. That was a, an unfortunate event. On right on, we're running on that for so long, almost 100 games without losing three straight. Pretty impressive, actually. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, it was fun, yeah. Still in the mark. Uh, anyways, after that, then uh, started a four-game series against the Athletics. And first game, what do you do after that game? Well, you come out and win. So they did that, and the Athletics came out. Kyle Gibson went seven, three on runs. Really, only mistake was a uh, pitch he left kind of up, not really, to Jerickson Profar. He was more of a good piece of hit than anything. Uh, it was a two-run home run. But still solid when seven innings. Then, of course, what do you do when the starter goes seven innings and you have to leave? Well, you bring in Taylor Rogers, who went two innings, good save, nailed that down. Uh, the offense was great. Eddie Rosario kickstarted basically everything. A pinch hit through on home run, which was nice because it was dead for a while. And then, of course, when that happens, the floodgates kind of break out. And then Mitch Garver in the next inning hit a home run, and so did CJ Crone. So it was a, a much needed. Uh, fresh win coming off that series. Right, and it was like the first, re- it seemed like the first real plea from just Baldelli himself kind of saying, we need more bullpen help here. He just sent out Rogers for two innings after Gibson goes seven. That he had like, he could barely go seven teams. And I mean, this is the first time we kind of thought this bullpen is, you know, well, not the first time, obviously, but <laughs> in this recent stretch run of horrible games by the bullpen. Like Baldelli knew it was coming, just kind of let Rogers go too. And well, then the next game didn't go well because, uh, well, they lost 5 3. And this was Odorizzi, went five innings, gave up three earned runs, six hits, two walks, three strikeouts. Uh, offense didn't do nearly enough, obviously. It was the game where Semyon had the homers at the game early, early, it was down 2 0. Twins came back actually, took the lead 3 2. And then Odorizzi, I mean, it was tied, and then they took the lead, obviously. And Ryan Harper had a bad game here. Just kind of exposed himself. They were hitting his curveball really well. Uh seemed like when, I mean, Harper didn't have the fastball and the curveball. They were just all over it the whole game. And the offense couldn't do much and, you know, didn't win this one. No, no, they didn't. This was another, this was another one that kind of just sucked. Because Odorizzi didn't go that deep. And it's especially in those type of games where uh, the depth of the bullpen is tested, where you're like, uh, legitimately, after one guy goes, you're like, okay, 
I actually don't know who's going to come after this because who do you trust? You know, when Odorizzi only goes five, you're kind of piecing it together in your head, like, okay, maybe Harper, maybe May, what, Parker? And you're like, okay, what are the odds? All three of these guys do exactly what they do. And, well, it's ironic I say that because after Harper, Duffy, Parker, and Littell all went scoreless, so maybe I'm kind of a clown in that way. But <laughs> it, It's games like this, and this is sort of sort of the exception, sort of not, because Harper obviously did go up the run. We were just like, ah, we definitely need depth, and it showed. Uh, the Twins left 20 men on base, which was a very consistent thing in this mm-hmm. series, which is very unfortunate. Uh, went 0 for 4 throwing in scoring position. Let's see, Marwin had the two-run home run, and that was it in the third. They were done scoring, and Oakland added on a few more. Liam Hendricks came out and blew everyone's face off, which made everyone even more sad because he shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. yeah. So, and not, then, a, not a – Well, yeah, Liam – it's most, one of the most painful things we've seen all year, just Liam Hendricks blowing away every twin series face up to this point. Of course, yeah. spoiler, we got him in the last game, but up to this point, it was yeah, it was tough, you know. Yeah, yeah you're like, 100. Yeah, he hit 100, and I'm like, there's no effing <laughs> way. This is the same Liam Hendricks. I sat and watched him, you know, throw 89 for like three years. This could not be the same guy. They – they made this guy in like a lab and called him Liam Hendricks. This is not I, – I don't believe this. So Yeah. yeah anyway, moving on to so the other game was the heartbreaking. This one was, in my opinion, the most heartbreaking game of the year, uh, all things <laughs> considered. This was a, a Jose Brio start. Uh, he went five and two-thirds. No earned runs, but a very strange outing. Three walks, four strikeouts. The stuff looked okay, but – Man, just watching it, Oakland, any ball that was just slightly off, Oakland just automatically took, which was actually pretty impressive because he threw some nasty pitches, and I'm like, how are they not swinging? This is ridiculous. So you got to get some credit for that. Uh, they jumped all, all over Brett Anderson early, two home runs in the first, and then Miguel Sano double, and then that was it for, like, ever. You went, what, four straight innings or so without allowing any base runners? Uh, and most of it was just, like, ground balls and stuff. Uh, he only ended up with two strikeouts over six innings. Uh, eventually, um, they did. The Twins did relinquish. Eh, relinquish. Okay, they gave up. How about that? Uh, they gave up the lead <laughs> in the seventh, uh, and then immediately the Twins answered by getting the lead. Miguel Sano blasted a home run uh, about 450 feet. Good lord, he crushed that one. Uh, and then they scored again in that inning with a sacrifice fly, thanks to Robbie Grossman's noodle arm. And, well, it seemed everything was going to be all fine and dandy because neither heading in to the ninth inning or the eighth inning, Parker did well in the eighth inning, but then you're heading into the ninth inning with a run-run lead with Taylor Rogers up, and you're like, okay, we got this. There's no way we don't have this. Gets the first out, gets the second out, hits a guy, gives up a double, and Chris Davis lines a single off of Ariadne's gloves. And I think everyone and their mother was like, what the hell just happened? How? What? That's possible. So, Rodgers got the blown save. Immediately, though, in response, they loaded up the bases. Uh, let's see what happened. I assume Mariah's got a hit, because he always does. Uh, Scope got a double. I do remember that. Uh, there is an intentional walk to Rosario to load the bases. And with Mitch Garver up, one out, and the bases loaded, he grouted in double play, and everyone was big sad the rest of the night. <laughs> Yeah, it was like this whole game once Barrios or yeah came out, it was kind of just like clawing our way with the bullpen just to the ninth inning. Like if we get there, we've got this. I mean, when we was just painful 
And then finally we got to the ninth with the lead, and Rodgers just couldn't do it. And, and it was, you know, the, just the worst. <laughs> it was basically like if you summed up the last two weeks of Twins baseball and put it into one game, you'd get that. Oh, yeah, perfect. And what makes it even more perfect is, you know what the Twins offense did? They walked more than they struck out. Four walks, three strikeouts. And yet could only must – it's tough. They did it again today, and they almost choked it, but they didn't quite. And they still only put up four runs. It's kind of like mind-boggling. Just the, I don't know if it's just battle luck or just the hard hit luck. I don't know what it is. It, just, it feels like luck. Uh, and then like what you said, part of uh, an issue, and I talk about it – well, we are going to talk about it a little more, is after Brios only goes time to thirds, right, Duffy gets two outs. They take him out in the seventh inning. Well, with you know, barely clutching on to a lead, they put in Zach Rattel, and he almost got out of it. He did strike out Matt Olson. It was nice. But then gave up two straight home runs, and uh, that's – I mean, you can't do that. It, no offense to Rattel, but he cannot be put in situations like that. <laughs> you just can't. Yeah, it was – I mean, it's a situation where he gets put in, you just kind of look at it, and you're like, well, at this point, I mean – with this guy coming in in this situation, you've got to make a trade. And it seems like we say that after every single game now, and nothing's come yet. You never know. Maybe maybe in the next couple of days. Maybe right now. They actually have Twitter open on, like, Dan Hayes' Twitter account because maybe something's <laughs> going to happen. But yeah, something yeah, will drop while we're doing this. Of course it will. You know it's going to happen, but uh, <laughs> like you're saying. But uh, on to today's game, which was a bit more fun. How about yes. And I actually got to write the recap for both yesterday's game and today's game. So ah, one of them nice. was yeah. my heart. One of them was fun. For today's well, game, I actually, both of them are heart attacks, though. So yes, yeah, that's very true. For today's game, I actually had a paragraph written and ready for how badly the Twins choked this one away, ready to go, and then they came back, so I had to write something else quickly. So that was a bummer. <laughs> uh, I mean, bummer. I guess in a yeah. way, <laughs> in a good, you in know perspective. I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, this game uh, started off Pineda, an odd game for him, to say the least. Uh, he went 5.1 innings, uh, gave up four hits, three earned runs, walked five, struck out eight. The weird thing here, obviously, was the walks for him because, as Brandon Warren t- tweeted out, uh, he had, I think, five in the first month, four in the second month, and then five walks, like, combined in those months. Then he walked five guys today altogether. So that was That was strange. They put yeah. Harper in, he gave up one of Pineda's stranded runners, and then got two outs, so he did all right. May was put in the game, and it seemed like they were just going to go with May, and forever he went one and two-thirds, but he threw 49 pitches by far, I think, his season and season high. He gave up two, uh, three runs, two earned, two hits, three walks, and, tw- and three strikeouts. I think only about 24 of his 49 pitches were even strikes. Yeah. It was just painful to watch the whole time, and it's just it showed you how, uh, again, the depth in our bullpen is just lacking because the guy that came after him, Zach Littell, and the guy that came after Zach Littell, Cole Stewart of starting pitcher. But luckily, mm-hmm. the Twins were able to do just enough this game. Kepler had a home run and had the late walk-off single after the uh, clutch Adrianza triple that, I mean, I didn't, that was surprising to me. I, I thought that was a fly ball to right, honestly, but it was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, well, it's funny because, I mean, ever after uh, May gave up those runs and then uh, Littell does the stuff, ironically enough, uh, Littell and Stewart were the best relievers of the day because go figure. <laughs> but everyone was just kind of in that here we go again, you know, type of 
I can't believe this is happening. I actually, I was watching the game. I kind of had, like, the volume on low just because I was, I was kind of sulking a little. And then Andre Anza's, you know, fly ball goes up, and uh, Dick's voice starts to go up. I'm like, oh, oh, what's yeah. happening here? What's happening, boy? And it bounces off the wall, takes a, thank God, good hop. I swear it'd be the most important thing ever if it bounced right towards him. So when Arias is able to haul ass home, and Andre Anza that third. And, of course, now I'm very much interested in it, you know. So, okay, let's turn up the volume. Let's see what's happening here. And Castro strikes out, unfortunately. Uh, break break my heart. But uh, Kepler, first pitch, says, okay, you know what? Screw this crap. And line the single to the left. And thank God, because did they need that? Yeah, it only took, like, five games for us to just salvage a couple runs versus Liam Hendricks. And it felt oh, yeah. so good. <laughs> yeah, that's true. What, he closed two games in Oakland and then two other games in the series? Yeah, was Something it like yesterday when he came in in the eighth and just threw six pitches and got two strikeouts immediately. Mm-hmm. As you yeah. <laughs> So, this is another one. Uh, this one, I can't believe I'm reading this. 28 men left on base. Oh, 28. The Twins had 13 hits, took seven walks, scored seven runs. And, I mean, in real time, they could have put up 20 easily. Like, if a few, you know, these get like one or two, three more hits, I, it could have been over, so the fact that they even had to get to a walk-off is kind of ridiculous. But they still won, so should we really be complaining? I mean, of course. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> of course we're always going to complain because that's what fans do, and naturally we will. But, yeah, we won the game, I guess. Which really makes the complaining harder to do. To a degree. I think it's different things that you complain about now. So Yeah, yeah. But still. But uh, uh, either way, they won. Most important happening probably is uh well Cleveland refuses to not win. They are just on fire right now. So now the Twins only have a three game lead, and uh, I mean they just ran immediately after the Twins took two of three. They ran through a four game in Detroit. Detroit showed them just absolutely nothing. They just fell over like a dead fish or something. It was kind of embarrassing secondhand. Uh, I'll give Casey credit. They they fought him hard yesterday. Uh, Jake Junis did well, and uh, Scott, Scott Barlow, Jake Diekman, and Ian Kennedy with the uh, three-headed monster shut him down. They won a one nothing game, so shout-out to Casey. Big fan of them. But either way, Cleveland took two or three from them, which is kind of – it feels very unfair because we're out here like, okay, who are they small? Okay, Oakland, Yankees, and they're getting the cupcake of the AL Central. And you're like, come on, are you kidding me? Yeah, I mean, they're, yeah, three games back now. And when they were playing Detroit, it was the most painful thing to just pay attention to. It's like Detroit would have a three to two lead in the fourth inning. You're considering that a victory, like just a moral victory in our minds. We knew it wasn't going to last. I mean, it was yeah. the worst. <laughs> Should I consider it a victory if they got a hit? Honestly, it was just like, awesome. oh, hey, a single to right. Well done. Didn't know you were capable of that. Yeah. Like, Gertie and Rick Anderson leading the troops over there yet again. Oh, man. It is Detroit. <laughs> and and you see notice, like stuff like Harold Castro, homers to center. Like, you just made that player up. That's not a real player. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. It's like That's their a... first run in five days. It's like, okay, <laughs> good for them. Like, wait, they know you're allowed to hit home runs? Oh, wow, good for them. Yeah, so I'll ask oh. you, I guess, um, are you are you scared of the Indians right now at all? Um, that's a that's an interesting question. I it's a very simple question. I'm going to answer it in a very complicated way. I'm going to say yes and no at the same time. I'm uh, I'm scared of them 
in the ways that I thought they were underperforming for a while, and now it seems like they're getting they, – overperforming yeah, a little, yes, but at least getting back on track talent-wise. You know, guys like Jose Ramirez are no longer hitting like dirt. Uh, then other guys like Oscar Mercado, uh, Mercado Matt can't yeah. speak tonight, uh, are coming up, and these are the kind of guys who are like, okay, are they overperforming, underperforming? We can't tell because they're rookies, so we don't know. Uh, did they just need that boost? Did they need something else? You know, Matt Clevenger's back now. That's going to help them. So that I'm certainly worried about because I think the talent level, they're playing at a truer level. But I'm also not to a degree because in the games we've seen that uh, we either the Twins have played against them or they've played against tougher competition, they've been more human. So to a degree, it feels like they're beating up on bad teams while still somewhat getting on track. So uh, I haven't checked their schedule. I think it's still cupcakes the rest of July, August. It gets a uh, selfie spittoon for them, which is good, thank God. But for the time being, kind of, and it wouldn't surprise me if they eventually took the AL Central, uh, or at least were on top for like a game or two. But then once we start getting in August, I think that's when things are going to start even out. Yeah, that's correct. In August, um, well, after they play Toronto and KC to finish July, they play their next 20 games against the Astros, then the Angels, then the Rangers, then the Twins, then the Red Sox, and the Yankees. And this okay. is all while the Twins finally get some bad competition. Right now, I think, if I'm, to answer my own question of if I'm scared of the Indians, I'm, I think they could take over our lead because right now they're playing out of their minds. We're playing not well really whatsoever at, at times. And, you know, at the beginning, the roles were reversed. I think eventually both teams will even out and will separate because I do think we have the better team. I think we'll win the division. But I think they can take the lead. But, eventually, you know, the schedules, they're not – I mean, the Twins will beat the bad teams. Cleveland will not stay on this 900 winning percentage for the rest of the year. It's pretty insane. Yeah, I'm kind of – it's weird, though, because the roles certainly did reverse, like you said. We, we were doing this in May, and they're like, that's not fair. We're like, shut up. And now we're like, that's not fair. And like, oh, now it's not fair. It's like, okay, touche, you got us there. But certainly – and I also like the uh, the Twins' capability of uh, it seemingly being able to add, while it seems like I don't think Cleveland's going to add. If they, at least if they do, it's not going to be much. Everything they might pull what uh, the Rays did last year with Chris Archer with, like, maybe a Trevor Bauer trade because they – they seemed very uninterested uh, in adding over the offseason when they were the division favorites, and now they're the underdogs. I don't think they're going to suddenly come out of the woodworks and just be like, oh, we're suddenly going to get super aggressive. Well, I think the Twins will. So I think that'll help uh, with a little bit of separation in August, too. Right. I think I'm, my prediction for Cleveland is that either they make a couple really minor moves or they just don't do anything. I don't think they're going to be big sellers or buyers. I think it's just going to – Kind of stay the same because, I mean, they could just go get a wild card with this roster, no doubt, I think. But, yeah. hey, I mean, no no real reason to add at this point unless they think they can go all out and win the division. But I think their ownership might be a little smarter than that. So, I guess we'll see. Or, or government that. Depends how you look from it. So, yeah, I suppose you're right. <laughs> so, so, those are those are our thoughts on Cleveland. Hopefully, that, I mean, like you said, it does feel like 900. You're like, come on, can these bastards lose? It feels like a party when they do lose. Come on. So, moving on to uh, rants. Man, we got this. Uh, we have this front and center. Okay. Uh, I did get a little bit uh, mad on Twitter, TM, after uh, the Trevor May outing. And it, I didn't want to direct it at him because it wasn't his fault as much as it was reflection of the status of the depth of the bullpen. 
because we're at a point where the game before, Zach Littell needed to be relied on to get clutch outs late. Didn't work. Trevor May needed to be relied on to get uh, a lot of outs, go as deep as he could, throw a lot of pitches. 49 it was, yes? Uh, yes, 24 strikes. 49. 49 pitches. Yeah, which, you know, he shouldn't. And so, again, they ran in with a seven-man bullpen in a four-game series. And what, three with, like, three relievers you can trust? Kind of? I mean, Rogers well, obviously. Parker's been doing better, so I trust him. And I, I trust Harper. But beyond that, yeah. you're kind of like, okay, may to a degree. Uh, I don't know. You're kind of left in, you know, this purgatory, this weird, like, maybe they'll be good, kind of like look away, hope they do well type of deal. And so I'm still kind of like, okay, are we are we going to make a move? Have you seen enough where you're just like, this can't go on any longer? Can we – because those are a few games. If today doesn't go out the way it is, then that's two games in a row where the depth of the bullpen directly influenced the outcome of the game, and that should not be happening, in my opinion. Right, and when you come in today, it, it was uh, Rodgers had thrown 41 pitches in the last three days. Parker, Duffy, and Littell had all pitched the last two days. And one of your only fresh arms, Cole Stewart, is basically a starting pitcher, I think. I don't think he's mm-hmm. seen as a bullpen guy for the future. So it's, it's kind of a miracle that the Twins were able to pull off the win today with Pineda not even going six, if we're being honest. And with oh yeah, yeah, with guys. I mean, we'll get into this soon, but three guys DFA'd, and then you may. I think was it only one move to get call up Cole Stewart, or was there two things? Was there just that uh, one move? Pretty much just that off the top of my head, because Mejia was done to activate Odorizzi, and Morin was done to activate either uh, Rosario or Crone. Doesn't really matter. Same thing. And McGill, yeah. I think, was just DFA'd because they're like, oh no. This guy, okay, we're finally done with this guy. So yeah, just one move, really. Yeah, when you, and when you get rid of three guys and bring back one as as a full replacement, he's not even a bullpen guy. I mean, your mm-hmm. depth is kind of shot from there. It's like if one starter doesn't go six innings, you're you're done for three days because you got seven guys. And I mean, how many do you trust? One, maybe two on a good day, honestly. Yeah, yeah, and it's exactly that. It's you're you're looking at it. And you say, okay, we can get through maybe one game or two. But then if you're stuck in a situation like what ended up happening today, where you're like, okay, we need, uh, unfortunately, three-plus innings out of a depleted bullpen, and you're looking around like, oh, we can't do this. We can't, we absolutely cannot do this unless we throw in guys we don't trust. And they're kind of still back at square one, where we were talking about before with, okay, they have Mejia, guys like Mejia, Morin, and McGill all there. I don't know why they're here, because you don't trust any of them with a lead, so they seem kind of pointless and redundant. So then you replace them with Latell Stewart and no one, who you're like, okay, well, we don't trust any of these guys with the lead, so did we really improve? What, what's happening here? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's I don't know, it's insane. I mean, not insane, it's just, it seems so stupid. It's like, how can you, it, like, we have no depth, just bring someone in from even AAA. I don't care, bring up yeah. Cody Stashak, which we'll get into later. Hey, 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 hey don't spoil, don't spoil. I mean, no, they didn't do that. Who? But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you know what I'm saying. But yeah, no, I, I get it. Because yeah, we're just cycling through these guys with the same degree of trust. You're know, like this. The, the issue fundamentally has not been tackled currently as it is, mm-hmm. and it it will not be until other people are brought out. Because the only way you can gain trust is by having it over like I don't know a number of games, kind of like what Duffy did. I trust him to a higher degree now because he went and showed it. 
But we're at a point now where they, no one can get that benefit of the doubt because uh, the way that it happened was you, they had to take their lumps and, you know, lo- maybe lose a game, give up a clutch home run, you know, things that happen among this development. And they're in a place right now where they can't really afford that kind of stuff to happen at the moment. I like Littell and Stewart going forward in the future. Just right now, their development has to take a backseat to the current undergoings. Yeah. And it's not like, I mean, it's not like I don't think they're not going to fix this. Obviously, they will within mm-hmm. a week or two. But when you're at, in your worst stretch of the year and the, your division rivals get, uh, gaining ground on you every single day, it seems like having mm-hmm. just this bullpen is, I mean, it's just frustrating to us all, I think. Yeah. It's frustrating and, well, I mean, actively costing you games that you can't afford. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can't afford to lose. So that's the situation we find ourselves in. I really would like them the next few days to be making some moves. We'll kind of talk about the, the trade deadline and the current state of that a bit later, but that's that's where I'm at. So we kind of talked about it. Uh, so I guess let's just talk about it now. Uh, Mejia, Morgan, Miguel, all DFA'd. Uh, I didn't think none of them were surprising to me at all. Uh, maybe Mejia a touch, but Morgan and Miguel, I think we all expected it. Uh, but do you have any thoughts regarding this? Um. No, I mean, just basically not for the twin team, but I guess for the Angels on Mejia, I hope that they re- – I hope they replace – because they released Matt Harvey. I'd like to see Mejia get a crack in their rotation because I think that's where he does best. And I think if he does, he'll have some success there, a lot more than he did in the Twins' eighth inning when we're up or down by 11. <laughs> so yeah, I'd like to see him get some starting opportunities. Certainly. He did come in today as a reliever and gave up a, a run. So oh, really? maybe maybe nothing changed. Maybe all this changed. So yeah, yeah. I like I kind of the reason I said him more than anything. I was surprised is because he was the one out of all of them. No offense to them, who probably had the most potential, just because of age and kind of low you know, status of development. You know, look at Morin, He'd been around the block. McGill. He'd kind of been around the block. Didn't really get too many looks. Twins gave him extended looks uh, last year and then going into this year. So. But Mejia, uh, you know, other, the exception kind of just like, well, we had two years ago where he threw like 100 innings and a little bit last year and then this year in a bullpen role, but we hadn't really seen much. But Hammer here is a casualty of having no options and not being able to be trusted. So in a different situation, maybe he's around, but that, he's no longer. So, Right, and it, it says a lot for this Twins team when they have the luxury, I guess, of, DFAing guys that will be major leaguers on other teams because this team is just, I guess, pretty good and there's no room for <laughs> talent that is, you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, you kind of haven't added anyone yet. Uh, not yet. Uh, but you, yet. like you said, actually, that's a good point you bring up because, I mean, Mejia went to the Angels. They're still kind of in it. Morton went to the Phillies. They're still kind of in it. Mejia mm-hmm. went to the Mariners. They're most definitely not in it, but still. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> They're they're gathering this weird thing of bullpen guys. They're like, we're just gonna be all potential and no command, which I respect. I respect that actually. They got a lot of guys. You know, I have to follow the Mariners living in Washington. They got a lot of guys like Connor Sadzik and now Matt McGill. We were like, this throw ninety nine with like ninety one mile hour sliders. Does anyone know where it's going? No, but it's fun. So. Yeah, I mean, they'll occasionally be left right down the middle at eighty. 80- seven miles per hour, and Pete Alonzo will hit one 490 feet on it, but hey, <laughs> what are you going to do? That thing went 500. No one can tell me otherwise. <laughs> I'm sorry. So uh, That's fair. 
kind of uh, related to the specifically Mike Morin DFA. Uh, we got a little bit of uh, Jose Brios getting spicy on Twitter. Uh, there, he it is now deleted. He now took it down. I assume someone in the Twins system probably told him, "Hey, we don't want any of this up." But uh, in the official announcement that Mike Morin was traded to the Phillies for cash considerations tweeted something along the lines of, uh, "They're just in it for the money. Uh, go get it, my man." And uh, ooh, that's uh, awfully tasty. That's some drama right there. You have any thoughts? I think it was just a lot of him not really understanding what was going on. If we're be, I mean, I think he just thought he was outright traded for nothing. But it seemed, I mean, we DFA'd him because he wasn't performing, and instead of just letting him go for nothing, we were able to get him for a couple bucks, really. And I think Barrios just kind of saw that as. They're just getting rid of guys for some money now, but even though mm-hmm. we had previously DFA'd him, I don't know. It didn't strike me as a huge deal. I bet they tried to explain it to him maybe or, you know, calm them down at least, but that's just my thought. I don't consider it a big deal. Yeah, I don't consider it much. Just kind of want to talk about it. Uh, like you said, I, I think I could see you from the player's perspective, seeing as it uh, whatever guy gets traded for straight up money. Because at that point, uh, you kind of are putting a price on a player and – that kind of feels a little bit dirty. We're just like, this guy's worth this much, and that might be somewhat insulting, you know, as a player. We were like, okay, well, you're going to put a monetary value on my head. I don't I don't really like that. So from that angle, I can see it. But like you said, I mean, he was previously DFA'd. Better get something rather than nothing. I didn't think it was much of a deal. He, that was way too much energy, in my opinion. Yeah, he doesn't even strike me as the guy that would – like, I was surprised when I saw that – because, you know, he's not the guy I would expect to do that, I guess. I don't know who yeah. it would be, but certainly not him. Maybe, and I, I'm spitballing here, so I'm probably way off base, but I, maybe because there have been rumors that the, the Twins have offered him extensions, and, well, obviously so far nothing has uh, gone down. Yeah. But maybe he has not liked the numbers on those, and he's kind of uh, equating uh, the lower numbers then with this, and you're trying to put two, two together, like, okay, well, they're just – they don't see him as a player. They're trying to just get people as cheap as they can. And, you know, now that I'm explaining it, it sounds kind of stupid. But, you know. That came across my mind, too. So, yeah. I see yeah, that. Okay. okay. Where he's just like, okay, well, can you guys stop being so cheap? Which it's not as straightforward as that, but I could see right. how that could be misconstrued as a player. Mm-hmm. And we could be totally off base here, but I had the same thought. Yeah. I mean,. I mean, he could have been offered a lot, but he thought he was way more than what he was getting offered, maybe. So mm-hmm. that he's just taking it out a little, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Here's a – we spitball and probably get, you know, yelled at for being way off base. But there's a, there's a possibility. There's a, moving on to actual real-life topics that are important. Uh, what is up with this trade deadline? Because uh, it's in – I mean, today is uh, July 21st. Tomorrow, when this gets posted, it'll be July 22nd. And there have been, what, like three moves and none of them major? Like, what's going on? Yeah, it's it's certainly strange. It's like each team is – like the prices probably are just set really high and every single team is waiting for them to drop. It's kind of like just a game of chicken. Like who's going who's gonna to bite first, really, or who's going give to give in? And, I mean, I guess the sellers, they don't really have to do anything or give in until about two days, one day before this even. So we might not see a trade for a while yet just because of the prices and front offices being a lot smarter just in general of not wanting to give up players that are just for a high price lately, especially because of what the Pirates did with the Rays last year with Archer. 
It just kind of speaks <laughs> volumes now. Yeah, I think there's there's probably a lot of different things I play. I think one of the most immediate ones that I've noticed uh, is I mean, you look at just through the National League, and it's very much like no one's really fully out of it, with the exception of the Marlins. They suck. Uh, but I think the most immediately far out team, I haven't checked in a while, but the one point was the Mets, and they were only out of the wild card by like five games. And that's not, you know, unattainable. The Twins, just two years ago, they were in a very similar spot, and they ended up making the playoffs. So I think maybe there's a lot of owners kind of looking around like, hey, 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 wait, wait, wait a minute. We're not fully out now. Maybe let's not deal. And, you know, maybe front offices are smarter. Like, uh, I imagine the Giants are like, okay, we're doing well right now. There's no way this continues. So let's trade all of our guys still. But maybe that's still a play where they're like, okay, let's hold on for like a week more. Let's see where this goes. If they keep winning, then, uh, then, uh, I don't know, we'll just not do anything. But, uh, like, you're right. This is just a giant game of chicken right now. Yeah, I, the National League is so annoying. There's literally one team that's, like, really bad, I guess. You know, Cincinnati, Mets, and Pittsburgh are all kind of, they're not in it. And, but they're, you know, seven games out and they're just hanging around, like, like someone take command here. Let's all let's just sell. I mean, Cincinnati's not going to the playoffs. The Mets aren't going to the playoffs. And of course, the Giants had to go on a roll, even though despite the talk all year of Mad Bum and Will Smith. Now they might even yeah. just hold on to both and push, which would just be annoying. <laughs> oh yeah, that'd be really stupid. Uh, I've checked it now just so I could uh, back myself up. So Miami's 15 games out as far as the stud. Then it's the Mets and Cincinnati at seven. Uh, tied for the second prize. But again, that's not entirely unreasonable, especially with Cincinnati, who have somehow has a positive run differential. I can't explain that, but it's... Yeah, I was high on Cincinnati before the year, but, you know, we don't need to talk about that because that's meaningless now. But, yeah, um, I was going to say, oh, yeah, Texas, I saw. They're actually being smart. They're shopping around their guys, Mike Miner, and a couple guys, you know, Hunter Pence, and among others, just because they know they're not going anywhere in this American League. It's like, yeah, some teams in the NL should consider doing soon. But yeah, I was surprised really when I is. thought Texas was gonna chop Mike Miner because they're you know sick. Well, they were a lot better recently, but they've lost seven in a row. I'm now seeing. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I think kind of what, you know, they've they've realized it, and I assume a lot of other front offices are gonna be like, "This is nice. This is a mirage." And also, let's not you know sit on our uh, hands and then not do anything, and then possibly get screwed by our team. Oh, surprise, surprise! They are bad. So now, you know, you didn't um, capitalize on possible gains uh, prospect-wise. So uh, I think some teams will realize it, uh, understand their true potential. This isn't the team that's, uh, that you think it is. We're just going to trade because we know that. So hopefully that happens. I really do. Actually, I'm kind of thinking about it. Sort of like maybe we might see a different dynamic regarding uh, trade targets, more specifically with pitchers. So I think about a guy like Ryan Presley who was dealt last year, which hurts. It, it hurts to open up fan graphs and see how well he's doing. You just wonder what if. But with him on the Twins, he was good that year with, like, okay, I think the underlying numbers say he's even a little bit better. But he gets traded to the Astros and becomes death destroyer of worlds. And because, you know, they changed some things, they're like, let's throw the curveball more, kind of nicks the slider. And now some of the guys are like, oh, shit, this guy's unhittable. So – I wonder if there's maybe a dynamic shift where teams aren't looking for uh, current production as much as it is future production. And then maybe then if that team comes knocking on the door, like if the Houston Astros come knocking on the door, like we want Seth Lugo, 
if I'm the Mets, I'm like, wait, 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 why do they want Seth Lugo? Hold up, hold up, hold up. What, yeah. What's in this guy that makes it they like him? Because you don't want to get burnt like the Twins kind of did. So I wonder if there's that sort of hold up where they're like, wait, let, now let's figure it out because they're interested in something. Like the Astros were also interested in Matt Boyd. So maybe the Tigers are also like, wait, 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 why are you guys interested in Matt Boyd? We don't like that. We're also interested in Matt Boyd. So I wonder if maybe that little dynamic set play where they're like, well, maybe let's have to figure out internally because there's such like a dynamic shift in the levels of uh, progressiveness of front offices. Maybe that's kind of an idea I've been tossing around. Yeah. Teams are now just using phone calls to, 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 I mean, to decipher which players on their team have true potential. <laughs> they're just like, well, the Rays know a lot. If they call us about someone, then they're good. <laughs> That's pretty okay, good. Okay, well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> when you simplify it like that, it sounds really stupid, but I felt like I explained it better, so I want more credit. Oh, yeah, I'm just, I mean, it was good. I mean, I've had the same thought, like, you know, hey, good team calling us about this guy. Let's hang on to him, maybe, or look, offer a larger price or something, because... Yeah, this team knows stuff, <laughs> or at least internally think about what we could do to then improve them because you you know they're gonna try to, right? Yeah. So, so maybe maybe I'm way off base. But that's a sort of conspiracy I have out there. So then guys are like, ah, God damn it, they know they know that we know they're good. I don't like that. So <laughs> that's it. Uh, moving on for trade stuff, uh, we have our weekly trade targets section. Uh, this is actually I'm thinking like, this is the second to last time we've been able to do this. Because uh, only one trade done oh, yeah. this year. Kind of unfortunate. So, uh, would, do you want to start? You got a tasty one? You're going to steal from me like last time? or uh... I'll start, yeah. I, okay. I'd be surprised if you had this guy. I've heard his name once all year. Mm-hmm. And it was earlier today, actually. And it is Blue Jays' right-handed reliever, 32-year-old Daniel Hudson. Okay. You, okay, okay you hold up. But I'm going to stop you. I almost had him, you son of a bitch. Huh. I almost had him. <laughs> But go on, go on. All right, good. How close were you? Uh, I had him until I opened up Fangraphs and saw his tip, which I assume you're going to talk about. Well, oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, I like his other stats. His ERA is two seven two. Um, whip his whip not great one two eight. He throws a really nice uh, fastball, pretty fast, about ninety six ninety seven. And I mean, he's a guy. He's not going to be the. My ideal trade deadline is a starter and two relievers one elite reliever and one middle-of-the-thing reliever. And for me, Daniel Hudson, he'd fit perfectly in, well, I'll get to it something later, but I like him. I just I think he'd be a good guy for the middle of the rotation. We don't have a lot of depth. It's kind of Taylor Rogers, a lot of empty rows, and then the rest of our guys. <laughs> um, yeah, so, but yeah, you talked about the FIP. It's currently 4-4-6 with an ex-FIP of 5-5-1. Five, five, but his I mean, his stat cast stats in terms of, like, expected batting average, way below average. Expected slugging, far below average. Weighted on base average, really good. Like, he's, I mean, the only problem is he's getting hit really hard this year. Uh, 40% uh, hard hit rate, 6%. That's 6% above league average. But he is striking out hitters a couple percentages higher than the league average, which is nice. So, I mean, he's kind of, you know, he's got good stuff. He's got some bad stuff. You just hope maybe... I mean, take a chance. He could be pretty good. Yeah. I think with, he's kind of fall in the uh, do raw stuff category. Cause he still has, you know, decent stuff, whatever you can, like, define that as. So he's an interesting one. I agree with you. He'd be a good, like, depth part. And I agree with you also on that concept. You know, good starter, good reliever, uh, other middling depth reliever just for the sake of depth. That's kind of how I want that to go. So, yeah, I'm mm-hmm. So I'm going to go <laughs> – 
This one's actually kind of funny. This one's really spicy. Uh, I'm going to go with a reliever on a team that I know is bad, uh, the Marlins. So they're definitely going to sell. I don't know if they sell this guy, but I think it would be really funny. Uh, Mr. Nick Anderson. Yep, saw that coming. Uh, you saw that coming. So uh, if you are unaware, uh, Nick Anderson was indeed property of the Twins as uh, far as uh, this year. They traded him right before the Rule 5 draft for Brian Shales because he's probably going to be lost in the Rule 5 draft, so like, let's go get something. And what has he done? Oh, well, in 40 innings, he struck out 14.28 per nine. Uh, we're walking a fair amount, 3.12. Uh, he has a 17% swinging strike rate, which is ridiculously high. His fastball averages 96, well, 95.9. I'm going to bump that up to 96 for him kind. Uh, 96 miles an hour. And the ERA isn't too pretty. Uh, it's not great at 4.24, but the FIP at 2.78 is pretty damn near elite. And so, well, it, it's never a good look to trade for a guy you just got rid of. However, if there was a guy on a team that we know we're gonna, that's gonna sell, and who uh, also I should mention he's 29, which kind of is interesting. So he's a 29-year-old rookie. Of course, they have a 30-year-old rookie, so it doesn't matter. But uh, Marlins going to sell unless they sell this guy. Maybe they capitalize on it because he'll have uh, pretty much five and a half years of team control. And his, uh, you know, as far as swinging strike, swing and miss stuff, there's not a whole lot of guys who've been better this year. So he brings that kind of dynamic to uh, Twins bullpen that doesn't have a whole lot of it. So I think it'd be interesting. I don't. I really doubt it happens. Uh, kind of like the Lance Lynn effect, where they're just gonna be like, we're just gonna not even, we're just gonna ignore that that happened, act like it did, and uh, not trade back for a guy we got rid of. But I, I think it'd be kind of tasty. Yeah, I think it'd be actually smart for the Marlins. They could just kind of be like, yeah, we finessed you guys, took your pitcher, traded him for some of your better prospects. Like that's pretty good. And uh, with him, I mean, the Marlins are not gonna be good for three, four years, you know? I mean, may as well just sell their relievers when they're at their very best. I don't think this might be Nick Anderson's best year of his career, like, going forward. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless you – because know, he's pitching out of his mind. The K for 9 of 14.28, the FIP of 278. Those are both just elite stats. So sell mm-hmm. high on this guy right now, and you'll get a good return for sure. So it'd be smart yeah. to give away if you're the Marlins. Yeah, but then that's why they're not going to do it, because that'd be smart. So you know. Oh, my bad. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Ouch. Sorry, Jeter, had to do it to you, but I don't. I, I don't think it's gonna happen. I just think it'd be tasty, and I kind of want to talk about it. So, yeah, I mean, I'd like that move a lot. I think I actually would, but mm. I like this next thing you put together on our notes here, though. This should be fun. Yeah. Okay. So we're moving on. Uh, what would be your perfect trade deadline? And so uh, we're gonna have three realist, realistic moves each. I have to add that in. So you're not like, oh, we're gonna get Max Scherzer and you know, Sean <laughs> Doolittle. Okay, no, 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 that's not happening. So realistic moves, uh, of course, realistic except for interpretation. But I assume both of us are well intelligent enough to make the uh, make moves within the, these parameters. Sort of just like us as outsiders, you know, picking and choosing names, kind of like we're at a grocery store and not having to deal with all the uh, political shenanigans at play whenever a front office tries to make moves. Who would, you know, at the simplest, just boil it down, who are three guys who you would love and, you know, obviously don't make, like, full trades, like, oh, we trade this guy for, you know, right. this, 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 just names, pick and choose, we worry about price later. So do you want to start with that? you want me to start? Or? Uh, you can start. i got to find something on one of my guys quick. All right, you go ahead and find it. Probably not going to do, like, a massive stat dive like we do with the other ones, kind of just go through the names, talk about why. Uh, so, because talking about a lot of guys, I take a lot of time. So first realistic move, 
the starter, I, mm, I don't know if I won the most, but I would, I certainly wouldn't complain if we got him. Um, you know, with Marcus Stroman, I think, I mean, you look at the starting pitchers, probably going to be available. He's, if not the best, one of the best, which kind of speaks to the level of starting pitching available, but also there's no slight on Stroman. He's a very good starting pitcher who also has a year's team control next year. So uh, you like that, have a year and a half uh, team control. I like him. I think he slots in right behind Odorizzi as the number three, and that's a pretty good starting five. Uh, I think that would bump Perez to the bullpen most likely. I'll think about that later, but it bumps someone from the back end. But either way, now you've got a very solid starting rotation going forward in a MOB you know, landscape that doesn't have a whole lot of solid starting pitching. So Mark Stroman. Second move would be let's go get another ace reliever because we need one. Uh, let's go get Will Smith of the Giants, who is probably might be the best left-handed reliever on the market. I think the best reliever on the market, straight up. Uh, the dude is ridiculously nasty. Uh, and it probably gives the Twins the two best left-handed relievers in baseball, arguably. Uh, Whoa. Off the top of my head. Whoa. I mean, okay, Chapman and Britton also come to mind. I don't know who else would be, but as far as, like, on a team, two lefties, I don't know. There aren't a whole lot of guys that are better, so that would help a lot. And then also help a lot to not, like, okay, let's send Taylor Rodgers for two innings. Like, okay, well, let's send Rodgers for one, Smith for another, and then let's go to bed and have fun. <laughs> so that helped. And then my third one, uh, kind of in the same vein as the depth reliever, uh, let's go with Seth Lugo, the Mets. Also brings nasty stuff to the table. I think I feel like the Mets are going to sell. I hope they're not stupid enough to not sell. But uh, I'd really like him. I like his famous stuff. He even showed it against the Twins. He's nasty. Uh, he's moved to the bullpen. You know, I think last year doesn't matter, but uh, this year he's been very good. Tip of three point two five, striking out eleven point eight four per nine. I, I like stuff, and he also has a fair amount of team control. So I like him. I, Feel like those three additions would make the Twins a very, very good team. Yeah, I like those moves a lot, and uh-huh. so I'll, I'll begin with mine. My, I did uh, starter and two relievers as well. Uh-huh. I'll start with my starting pitcher. Um, his name from the Blue Jays, Marcus Stroman. Go figure. Oh no! Oh no! We did this again. <laughs> we, we really don't. This we have like I don't know. We think everything the same. It's kind of insane. It's actually frightening. I mean, it really is. Frightening. And I was hoping, I was really glad when you didn't come up with this lefty reliever, but you didn't come up with any elite lefty reliever. I came up with Pirates Felipe Vasquez as my uh, first reliever I'd like to acquire. He's having a great year. Huh? I said, damn, that's a, that's going to be a tough one, but all right. Yeah, I mean, 41 innings so far, uh, K per nine of 14.15, ERA of 196, FIP of 204. He's easily, I mean, he's really good. (laughs) Obviously, <laughs> he'd be difficult to acquire, I would think. But I mean, hey, the Pirates—they should sell. They're not making the playoffs, and I mean, go get this guy, Marcus Stroman. And in the Marcus Stroman deal, I'd package the guy I talked about earlier, Daniel Hudson, instead of Ken Giles, just because at this point with Stroman and Vasquez, the price is already pretty steep. So just tagging in a guy like Hudson probably wouldn't cost you a ton to go with it. So. I'm staying realistic here with price-wise, I guess. And Hudson, I like him just to slot in with the guys like Trevor May, Blake Parker, not Zach Littell anymore, but, you know, <laughs> the middle guys. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I think those three moves, uh, Strowman, just villain rotation, like you said, uh, Vasquez to play with 
Rogers up there in eighth, ninth, seventh, sixth, fifth, and fourth inning. Uh, <laughs> and then Daniel Husband to do his job. I think he could work. Right. I I like that. I'd be a fan of that too. No complaints. The only reason I again I kind of like hesitate on Vasquez because there was a report earlier that the, the asking price from the Dodgers was something like two of their top three guys like Will Smith and other than I can't think of the names off the top of my head. They're asking for a king's ransom, as they damn well should. He's an elite reliever with, like, four years of team control, which is ridiculous. So his mm-hmm. asking price is going to be high, as it should be. But Twins can match that. I imagine, yeah, I imagine it'll end up coming down eventually when no team bites on that because that's an insane price for a reliever. But mm-hmm. it'll, be, it'll be costly for sure. Yeah. But, I mean, as far as dominance, there aren't a whole lot of relievers that are better. So, yeah, that is true. Maybe – I just had this thought come in. Maybe the Twins get Rogers, Smith, and Vasquez and just annihilate any lefty that tries to hit. <laughs> oh, my God. Just imagine oh, you're, like, wow. Matt Olson stepping up in the sixth inning to shit your pants. Just like, are you kidding me? I got to deal with these guys? Oh, man. Yeah, that's, that would be tough. No, like, no elite righties. We just got three lefties in the pen. <laughs> yeah. So really, yeah, any righties just can eat them for breakfast. But any lefty, <laughs> done. Just yeah, forget that's about it. <laughs> and who's a lefty on the Yankees? Uh, uh, we got Aaron Hicks if he doesn't switch hit. <laughs> Aaron Hicks not switch hit. That's a good point. I actually have a lot of right-handed hitters. That's interesting. Yeah, I do. I just realized everyone's a righty out there. Wow. Huh. Oh no, we're gonna we're gonna kill Greg Bird more than he's already dead. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Greg Bird. Oh, no. But Brett Gardner's gonna go bang his uh, bat on the top oh, of the dugout. God, I, I hate Brett. We can yeah. Hope we get him out every time. He has a very he he is the most New York Yankees looking player ever. Um, he just Gosh, he looks like Mega Mind with the giant head. Sorry, he <laughs> looks like no, I no we I mean all of this. I mean all of this. I, I don't want to take any of this back. He looks like the kind of guy who would definitely fight you outside of a bar. Like, yeah, we're just like the whole time like staring you down, just like mm-hmm. oh god, just obnoxious. We uh, just stand him. Yeah. Nope. He's, it's like, what are you going to do about an egghead? And you're like, well, I shouldn't have yeah. said that. <laughs> you're just trying to have a drink or something. You're just staring at him. What's this Megamind looking ass doing over here? And then show me your outside fight. Dealing with this cop for just, oh, man. Maybe it's a kill, yeah. And Aaron Boone comes in and talks about how much of an effing savage he is or something like that. Like, what is happening? Why? What did you think of that? What did you think of that Aaron Boone outrage and the Gardner deal? It was actually really stupid if you think about it. <laughs> it was actually a really inane thing. He was just like, oh. basically, his, I mean, obviously, the heat of the moment, his argument came down to, our guys are really good, so, you know, give them the yeah. benefit of the doubt. And I'm like, yeah, well, that doesn't fly. <laughs> I mean, yeah. they were, like, I guess they were outside the strike zone, but there's no reason to go slam your bat against the ceiling, which I've never seen yeah. before. That was strange. No. I mean, it's better than throwing a helmet and then having it hit you in the head again, so. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that guy's an idiot. Um, I guess we're making... What do you mean by savages? Just like they're, they're good? I I guess. You're just like, they're good, make the pitcher throw a strike. I'm like, okay, I mean, isn't that the point of the game? Like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, well, it was funny. It, it it was funny when you don't include that. I mean, you don't think about the umpire Tilly's guys asked you that. But I also, I did find it funny, like, the very fatherly, like, get it together. Yeah. It's kind of like, I'm not mad, I'm disappointed type of deal. 
it was like clean it up or something. I can't remember exactly mm-hmm. what he said, but it was, uh, um, I don't remember. Yeah, it, was it was good though. Yeah, it was like clean that shit up. Like, yeah, okay, you know. Yeah. <laughs> he just stared at him. He's like, yeah, you got it, buddy. I guess just get out of here. <laughs> oh yeah, the umpire. When, when when Boone walks away, and then the umpire's kind of like, yeah, he got a point. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he he looked like a young umpire making like first year maybe I have no idea this is just making yeah. this up it looks like it was just his first year and Aaron Boone just went and yelled at him in front of a full Yankee stadium yeah it's like man you're gonna throw him to the Lions jeez <laughs> that was funny so uh, moving on well, we should probably get back on twin stock maybe yeah. so the uh, the weekly question uh, that we've, we've all been asking did Martin Perez do his job and the answer this week uh, no sound effect because I still haven't gotten to that uh, yes he did his job. One and run over six innings since the Mets. Great job, Martin. Yeah, I mean he did good. They lost that game, right? I don't. I think they were. Yeah. Lost. Well, yeah, they lost both games against the Mets. So. Oh, it was against the Mets, right? All right. Yeah. 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 So well, it wasn't his fault. I think does he pitch well, tomorrow? He does pitch tomorrow. So. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I suppose we'll be asking that question next week. This week, yes, he did. Good job, Martin. Proud of you. Woo. So. Woo! Oh, party. Best moment every every time when we talk about this. So, moving on to uh, Matt Matt's takes. This is kind of just. I, I realize this episode is half of me just like having strong opinions, but <laughs> I, this is how it's gonna go. So I think uh, Luis Arias should be taking over Jonathan Scope's playing time. I think he should, and it kind of feels like he already is. When, when Scope pulled that oblique, uh, my dad and I kind of looked at each other like, well, that was very convenient, wasn't it? Where it's just like, okay, we have the reincarnation of Tony Gwynn here, and we have Scope who's struggling to hit with runners in scoring position and has, like, by far the lowest WPA of any Twins hitter. And suddenly he gets injured, and now, you know, the ghost of Tony Gwynn can come back and get playing time with no excuses to be made. Well, that worked out. So... Uh, even this last series, because they're very much like, oh, Oblique's not a problem. But I don't think he played in the second game against the Mets. And in this last series, I think he started one game maybe. So it feels like it's already happening where Ryze is taking over his playing time. But I feel like that should be a thing the rest of the year. Yeah, I mean, Ryze, he's been, you know, elite lately. And little-known fact, Scope was probably my favorite player coming into the season and for a few months here. Yeah. But he simply... I mean, he's he hasn't been good. He's not hitting the ball in clutch situations. He's just striking out, and occasionally he'll hit one four fifty when the score's five one in the eighth or something. But Arise, <laughs> he's he's. I mean, it's hard to ignore how good he's hitting. It's like he goes one for three for the day, and you're like, what happened to Arise today? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I didn't get uh, yeah, didn't get any hits yesterday, but still had like saw like twenty six pitches or something. We were like, man, he was not getting hit. He's making work so. That's a, that's that's my take. As the time being, when the guy's like hitting like Tony Gwynn, I feel like he should play more. So, no, moving yeah, on definitely. to moving on to Matt has strong takes. I I posted about this Saturday, where uh, talked about the the top of the lineup has basically been Max Kepler, Jorge Polanco, Nelson Cruz uh, against a righty. That's pretty much just been the lineup for the entire season, as long as all three have been healthy, and. Uh, when I checked Saturday over the last two weeks, all three of those guys were not hitting too well. And Cruz I wasn't too worried about because uh, he's a veteran, and I'm not too worried about that. With Kepler and Polanco, 
was somewhat worried about it because both of them had been playing to a degree that we've never seen before. You're kind of like, have they? can we officially say they've reached this level? Is this just a slump or is this regression? And I suppose that's kind of a question as a whole you can be asking the Twins. But specifically as it pertained to them, that I was getting a little bit nervous. So I, I was like, let's let's shake things up. Let's have, I don't know, Arias hitting two. Let's have Garver hitting lead off. I don't know. Let's get weird with this. So no hitting clean up. I don't know. Let's, you know, go nuts. And ironically, that night, Garver did hit lead off and Snow hit fourth. And I was like, ha-ha, Rocco read that tweet. I love it. So I – and then, of course, today, Max Kepler had a great game. Polanco had a solid game. And I don't remember with Cruz, but uh, Cruz did have a home run then that night when I called for moving around. So maybe I am a clown. However, I still kind of feel like at some points I'd like to see some lineup shakeup when guys are not playing well. I mean, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, my favorite part of your tweet was probably that someone challenged you on it, and your response was something like, well, they, I don't care about their feelings at this point. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah. It's like, if it hurts well, their feelings too bad. <laughs> pretty, I didn't read much of it. I just read, like, that line. I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I was like, at some point, you got to hurt some feelings, right? Like, I'm sorry. Like, I, did, I played baseball. I understand. When I was hitting third and when I was hitting seventh, my mentalities were very much different. But at some point, you do. I feel like you have to look at the team as a whole. And when the t- if the team's not struggling and they're struggling, then you know it is what it is. But if the team is struggling and they're struggling, you're kind of like, okay, can we move some things around? Can we make it so this isn't happening? Because you know things aren't really smooth sailing right now. So that was that was my mindset. I understand there's no politics at play, but as a third party, that's kind of what I wanted. Yeah, and you said Molitor did a really good job of changing the lineup when he saw something wasn't going well, just kind of putting guys in the positions we hadn't seen. And Rocco, mm-hmm. really, I mean, he hasn't done that, I guess, to this extent, to this point of the year. He'll yeah. put Garber at seventh and uh, – or Garber at leadoff and Kepler at seventh once in a while. But snow betting cleanup and then fifth today was kind of the first real one – of, one of the first real adjustments we've seen where guys are kind of moving around. And I thought it was good to see. And, I mean, I think you're – strangely, I agree with you on this one. Hey, whoa, weird. <laughs> so I maybe I did get a little too aggressive, but either way, I was kind of like, let's. I mean, Arise is hitting literally like Tony Gwynn, and he's in the bottom of the middle. That's kind of useless, somewhat. Like, let's let's optimize the usefulness at a time where that's not happening. Right. Yeah, I looked up the OPS over. I think it was thirty days. I don't remember the stat I put out, mm-hmm. and it was the bottom guys were you know Cruz, Polanco, and Kepler, and the top mm-hmm. three, top three, top five guys were Garver, Arise, Sano, and obviously you want to move the guys that are hitting low, top of the lineups, maximize their at bats, and so yeah, why not try it? Uh, that that was my thought. So they kind of did, and it worked. So mm-hmm. nice. Uh, moving on, we have uh, something that's not an opinion; it's actually a fact. Uh, Zach Mattel was optioned today. Uh, may he rest in peace. Uh, not really uh, as a sort of, like, reflection of his skill. Did have a bad Saturday, but up until then, he had been very good. Uh, but more of a need of, like, we need arms. So he has options. And we don't know what the corresponding move was until uh, a little bit ago, where it's been reported that Cody Stashik, Stashik, oh, I'm sorry, I probably butchered that, has been called up. And he will be with the team in New York. And this is your guy, so I'm going to let you talk about him. Right, Cody Stasek. Um, I've been high on him for a while now. I actually 
I think a couple of weeks ago on this, I was like, hey, bring this guy up. Cause I put him in the minor league thing uh, that we talked about. At Triple A so far this year, he has pitched 22.1 innings. He has a K per nine of 12.49, a walks per nine of 1.61, an ERA of 1.61, and impressively, a FIP of 199. Sadly, he will be debuting most likely against the Yankees tomorrow. And our friend over at Twins Daily uh, recently just put out a tweet saying, you know, I'll read it out. Cody Spacek is in for a hell of a greeting to the big leagues. Hey, welcome, kid. Could you uh, go retire Aaron Judge, LeMahieu, and Gary Sanchez? You'll only be carrying like the weight of like 20 years of extreme futility and inferior complex versus the Yankees. Go get them. Oh, hey, Jeez. I forgot to mention, our bullpen has been spiraling, and fans are melting down when relievers allow a single run, mainly because we're always nursing razor-thin leads, so those runs tend to cost us the games in tight division race. Seriously, though, no pressure. Hmm. Oh, yeah, we Jeez. did cut three fringy relievers in the past week in the wake of a single bad appearance. Why do you ask? They say what? There's no flights out of Rochester until Thursday? That's, that's pretty good. That was, I, I read that during this uh, podcast a few minutes ago, and that was pretty funny. So, yeah, <laughs> was that Tom? What? Was that Tom posted that? No, Nick. Oh, jeez. Well, I mean, when you put it that way, yeah, no pressure. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> three things long. I like it. Yeah, he'll make his debut, I'm sure. It most likely. I mean, if we're being honest, it probably it could go extremely horribly and he'll be sent back down immediately, but hey, whatever. <laughs> I mean, you, you also have hope. We have to have hope, right? Right, I do, I do have hope, but there's, of course, the possibility of him just doing exactly that and just, you know. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I'm high on him. I think he should, he'll play a semi-big role throughout the year if he can maintain any of what he was doing at AAA, really, which yeah. um, maybe he'll carry over. He was doing better at AAA than he was at AA this year, which you don't see, especially this year with the ball. Oh, yeah. It's, like, unheard of, so. Hmm. What do you, you got anything on him? I mean, that's all I got, right? I mean, same thing with you. His stuff looked good. Uh, stat-wise, I haven't really seen uh, much of him. Uh, he hasn't played whenever I tune in to MILB.TV. Fortunately, but numbers look good. Hopefully, he does good. Although Andrew Vasquez's numbers look good last year, and that didn't end up too well. But either way, uh, interested to see what he does. And I mean, when you put it that way, he's got to go against the, the Gauntlet Yankees. Yeah, that kind of sucks. But <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's certainly one way to prove your worth, I guess. I mean, yeah. I mean, hopefully. I mean, he's kind of just being called up, I guess, because we're out of pitchers. Mm-hmm. And he'll probably, he could be the first guy out there tomorrow if Martin Perez struggles in the slightest and can't go six. So, mm-hmm. I guess we'll see. Might be giving the, the Sean Poppin treatment. Yeah. Go out there, throw three innings, show us what you got. We'll call you up in mm-hmm. September. Yeah. Be like, all right, the yard runs do not matter. Just get out. We do not <laughs> care how. Just go and get them. Oh, that would <laughs> suck to hear that. Like, you've been waiting for this moment your whole life. And it's like, we don't care how you do. Just please, just do something here. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, that would, that would suck, wouldn't it? Oh, well. <laughs> you know, like, well, we'll lead the troops there. Jeez. <laughs> we don't care what happens. Well, sure. At uh, least he's not was, making his debut oh. in Yankee Stadium, because that would be killer. Oh, yeah, I think that that could definitely be, like, a career ender right there. Yeah. It's like, well, there goes my psyche. Like, when Blair Walsh misses a field goal, you're just like, well... 
<laughs> it happened to Andrew. Yeah, it happened to Andrew Vasquez, and he wasn't even in the, the Yankees part of New York. He was in the Mets part. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, I don't want. I don't want to relive those memories, but certainly, <laughs> very similar. Yeah. So, uh, moving on, uh, we did have an injury. Uh, Byron Buxton was put on the IL uh, last Saturday, last Sunday, excuse me, for an injury he sustained the Saturday before when he made an excellent diving catch. And then immediately got a concussion because of it. Uh, so he was put on the concussion, seven-day IL. Uh, he was eligible to be re- uh, activated today, but he wasn't. Uh sounded like he did some baseball activities. It sounded like it went well. He's going to be reevaluated tomorrow. Hopefully he's activated tomorrow because the Twins' record with and without him is, like, absurdly lopsided. Like, they're a very bad team without him and a very good team with him, even just yeah. his presence. So it'd be I very nice I- to have him. Yeah, I've got it, the record pulled up here. All right, hit me up. Uh, uh, twin, the Twins are 48 and 23, of 676 winning percentage when Buxton is in the lineup, which is compared to uh, 11 and 14 when he's not in the lineup. But yeah, so I mean, it's not uh, 11, 14, is a 75 win pace, but it's not great, obviously. <laughs> yeah, compared to like a over six, what is that like over like two of three winning percentage or whatever that was. Yeah, uh, yes, over yeah, over that six seventy six. <laughs> yeah, so a bit of a drop off there. It'd be nice, be nice to just get him. I feel like he just has like a he has an effect on basically the pitchers, the left fielder, the right fielder, and of course center fielder. That's who he is. So just his his presence. It's just it's like having an angel out there in center field where you're just like, okay, everything's okay. We're good. We're fine. We got you know we got Byron Buxton out there. It's good. Yeah, he doesn't just make his own position better. Like he catches it all, so obviously he makes the pitcher better and everyone, really everyone around him, at least in the outfield, like you said. But the impact is—I mean, he's the MVP of this team, I think, just with the impact he plays on with the role he plays on the team. Probably you could uh, calculate the the win probability added from whatever that is, and then you're just like, well, he's MVP just because of that. Jeez, no one can so. Hopefully, he's back. Yeah. hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, we got a nice update tomorrow, but we have no other information, so that's unfortunate. But we're moving on to uh, prospect talk, as always. Uh, my speciality, I think. Yep. Be, it? So uh, the big news of the week, I think, was uh, Trevor Larnick was promoted to Double A. He is the second best Twins outfield prospect, only because Kirilov is really good, also. But there's no slight to Larnick. He's also very good. And now he's getting his first taste of double-A. I believe he had his first double-A home run today. So good job to yep. him. Yeah. He's a top 100 I've seen by most publications. And he, I mean, he, he kid can hit. I've watched uh, some Fort Myers, and my God, that guy, he's, he's got great power. It'll line drive home run to center field, which you don't see too often. So it's uh, always fun when the guy gets promoted. Yeah, I mean – He's kind of the – when you look at – I mean, obviously, I've, we've been talking about trades this whole time, so I'll continue. Uh, he's one of the yeah. main guys that is brought up, I guess, when trade questions are, you know, surfaced. Like, if they're not going to give up Lewis or Kirloff, then this is probably the first guy off the table for the Twins. So, watch out for that, I guess. Yeah, certainly. But uh, that we we probably shouldn't meditate that effect. Just be like, oh, yeah, we'll just lose one. Like, that would be a pretty major loss. So yeah, I feel like, yeah, I feel like some people kind of gloss over that, and it's a bit unfair in my opinion, but, but he's a very good player. Let's not yeah. underestimate him. Yeah. 
definitely overshadowed by Alex Kirilov, like, a lot. Because, I mean, all in all, Marner's having an outstanding season. Like, much better to Kirilov than Kirilov, I think, to this point as well. Yeah. Well, we'll see where he does it double A, but... Right, true. Sure, but, you know, so, he's having just an outstanding year. So, uh... Now that uh, both him and uh, Kirilov are at AA, I imagine them as the, the Bash brothers in some capacity. Which just like, oh, wow. They got the two yeah. great hitting. Oh, no. And the Lewin Diaz is also there. And you're like, geez, what the hell? Like the Stanton Judge and Luke Voigt of AA down there. Yeah, something like that. Or a, uh, a Cruz uh, Sano Kepler. Of, uh, oh, yeah, I've got the Twins have yeah. hitters, too. Yeah, Twins have hitters. I don't know if you've ever heard. So. Uh Moving on to something that's probably very uh, pertinent to the Twins. Uh, Cody Allen is kind of getting blasted at AAA right now. This is a very unfortunate, of course, he's signed a minor league deal probably about a month ago at this point, definitely a few weeks. And they've been tinkering with him, you know, working on him in the lab, whatever they've been doing. And he's been at AAA for a little bit now. And, well, hasn't been too good right now at AAA, sporting a nice, uh, 4.5 ERA with a 9.15 FIP over four innings. He has walked 11.25, which, you know, four inning sample sizes and whatnot, but yeah, that's a lot of walks. And his issue this year was the walks. So kind of, uh, kind of frightening. Yeah, and it kind of says a lot when, uh, um, Cody Stashak is called up before Cody, like, I guess Cody Allen, in a lot of people's minds, would have been the first guy up in this situation, but he's just pitching so poorly. I think one of his most recent outings, he just walked the bases loaded, like in like his second AAA outing, and he's just the velocity's not there, 91, 92 miles per hour on the fastball, and I think that was the key for most people. If he can get back up to at least 95, then he'll get a shot here, but I don't think it's going to happen if he wasn't really called up even before Stashak here. Yeah, that's certainly true. When Stacek gets the call, you kind of raise your eyebrow like, oh, okay, that's how little they think of Allen. Maybe he and doesn't end up having any effect. Yeah, yeah I don't know. It's I mean, the signing, I guess I was never high on, but huh, yeah. just, he's not. he might not even get the shot. He might not. Wouldn't surprise me. So uh, moving on, we have Royce Lewis, uh, Number one Twins prospect, maybe number two, depending on which hipster you ask. But either way, a very good Twins prospect. He is also he is heating up. We've mentioned this many times. I feel like we've been like, Race Lewis heating up, and then he goes back. No, for real this time. I'm no jokes. He's heating up. The uh, let's see, let's pull this up. The WRC plus. He's almost back to 100. He's very, very close. Last year at uh, high A, it was at 110. So the drop off isn't too major there. He's been striking out less. He's been walking a bit more. And, and a bunch of dogs in the background that are barking for some reason. I don't know what they got crazy about. But anyways, uh, he is doing well, which is very good to see. So hopefully he keeps that up. Yeah, and I think this is might be our third time saying, hey, uh, <laughs> Voice Lewis, is he numb? <laughs> it's early, yeah. Next, yeah. Yeah, so the week he'll just kind of slow down. We'll skip a week and, hey, look at this. But hey. I don't know. I hope he gets going. You know, he's been struggling all year, without a doubt. Um, I mean, I should just see him find something. His OBP and slugging are both extremely low, making up for an OPS of just 661, which is, you know, not good, obviously. But yeah. Yeah. So keep your eyes on that. Uh, next thing I did want to talk about was uh, Roberto Celestino, who was 
in the much maligned Ryan Presley trade. I know we all hate it, but uh, we have to accept it. Anyways, he has been – he's at right now at uh, Cedar Rapids, uh, low A. But having kind of a weird year, started off cold, but recently in the month of July has an OPS over 900, which makes me very interested. I, I'm intrigued by him as a prospect uh, because I, I think he has a, a good amount of potential, uh, tools the outfielder type, and if that does come around – uh, like it kind of feels like it has been, then ooh, that might be might be interesting. I think my reading this right, he's Rule Five eligible this year. Okay, so maybe hmm. maybe he might really? be one of the guys. Yeah, evidently, uh, unless Fangraphs is lying to me. So he might be one of the guys uh, identified in trades. Then if they want to kind of hedge their bets and trade a guy before they just lose him for nothing, but I just wanted to mention him. Because I feel like he deserves it. He's been hitting well. Right. I don't know a ton about him. I know that he is already a I don't know, pretty solid fielder, and he's got the speed to play at the majors. But if the hitting comes along, I think, you know, like you said, he'll be a good player in the majors. But, you know, I don't know a ton about him. But that's what I've got on him. All right. Great stuff. <laughs> Outstanding breakdown. Uh, moving on. <laughs> Moving on, we have uh, another Twins prospect. Uh, this one may be a little bit more known, but also at the Colonels, Wander Javier, who is not having the best of years, <laughs> to put it lightly. He has uh, struggled there, hitting 153 with 253 OBP and a slugging that's exactly the same as the OBP. And he's striking out over a third of the time, making Miguel Sano blush over here. And, well, he had one good game. Uh, what, two home runs in one game, was it, uh, a few yep. days ago? Yeah, two home runs, including a grand slam, but uh, has not been doing good outside that. He's also struggled with the errors in the field. Don't have the exact number, but last time I checked, it was very high, which is not what you want to see out of uh, a guy that a lot of people are hyping up coming into the year. Yeah, and I think MLB, I think MLB Pipeline has him currently at number six prospect, unless I'm mistaken, but I think it, he's top six or seven for sure. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, over but hey, over his last 18 plate appearances, he's got an OPS of 1139. So watch out, here he comes. Whoa, sample size, am I right? <laughs> you got to start somewhere. He's got this. <laughs> Guess so. You got to turn around eventually. So he's obviously incredibly talented. So just keep your keep out your eyes out on that. You, twins are definitely going to want him to turn it around, and hopefully he does. And yeah, he's only 20 years old still, so he's got a lot of time. Yeah, he's only he's only 20. Uh, age always needs to be put in perspective here. So, mm-hmm. Moving on, we have uh, looking ahead to the next few series. Uh, let's see, we have after this, we have three games versus the New York Yankees. Oh boy, do we ever love playing the New York Yankees! Ooh. So that'll be a, that'll be an interesting one. Maybe it might be a bit premature, but this is this feels like a very decisive series. The, the way this goes could impact a lot, uh, not only how the Twins go going forward, but the people's perspective on the Twins, I feel like. Yeah, and I think you're definitely right there. This, I mean, of course, everyone knows the Yankees. They're, they kill the Twins at every chance they get. Um, oh, do they? Oh, do they now? Did you know? But, yeah, uh-huh. if, we, if the Twins can manage two out of three in this series, I think that would just be – that would be huge. I mean, it feels like right now anyway in the mindset of Twins fans, I guess, Feels like one win in this could be a victory, but hey, let's stay positive. Get two out of this, but I've got the pitching matchups up right now. If you want those, all right, go ahead, hit me up. 
All right, tomorrow will be Martin Perez of the Twins versus CC Sabathia for the Yankees. Uh, Sabathia, always tough, and he's, he's – I think this is the last year, right? Did he announce that? Yes. Yes, he did announce that. Yes, and he's still going all out. Got a 406 ERA, that's, you know, above average. Game two, Domingo Herman going against Kyle Gibson. Um, mm-hmm. Herman's having a really good year, like, under the radar, but mm-hmm. yeah, watch out for him, right-hander, who will – Hopefully we get him 10 runs. <laughs> yeah, that'd be nice. Uh, game yeah. three, uh, J.A. Happ for the Yankees against Odorizzi for the Twins. J.A. Happ's kind of had an up-and-down year, kind of like one good start, one bad start. Uh, hasn't been consistent. He's a lefty. Hopefully the Twins, again, can put some damage up there and Odorizzi can get back to what we knew at the beginning of the year. Yeah, I'd say the one one good thing and one thing that might very much help the Twins is exactly that. The Yankees are going to be throwing two lefties at them. And I've heard uh, the Twins have been eating lefties for breakfast this year. So that could help to tip the skills in their favor. And also the last two years, uh, both times New York has come into target field, the Twins have taken both those series, uh, which huh. don't know how much of a reflection that is on this year's squad, but mm, – Maybe maybe the curse isn't quite as strong in, in Minnesota recently, at least. Right. I think fans just tend to remember some of those playoff games. Uh, I think, uh, have you heard they played the playoffs, the Yankees in the playoffs sometimes? Oh, oh well, I, this is news to me, Cooper. I've never heard of this. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think yeah. so. They didn't win all of those games. <laughs> totally haven't. <laughs> oh, jeez. But, yeah. I mean, there's always, there's always going to be that New York curse hanging above you. But yep. man, if you even take two of three, uh, that'd be a, that'd be quite a good sign for the Twins. Yeah, and then after that, I mean, this is a big series. And then, but after this, we finally get back to a schedule that isn't just so grueling. We get to play the White Sox for four, who are, who are always a tough opponent for the Twins, but they're not a good team overall. Then the Miami Marlins yeah. in a while, but these next few series are all not against great teams, but. Hopefully after the Yankees, I mean, lose one, that'd be outstanding. Then we should be able to get on a roll, hopefully. Yeah, it's it's trending more towards uh, the easier path. This is kind of the uh, walk through the valley of shadows, darkness, whatever you want to think of it as. So if you can get out of this not completely dead, uh, that'd be nice. Yeah, still, you know, he's tied with the division in a couple weeks and then start playing the easier opponents as the Indians play the Astros. Hey, we're yeah. good from there, I think. Hey, yeah, that sounds good to me. So, believe we've come to, to the end. Uh, as always, we'll do our uh, self-promotions now that we have them. See, so, yeah, I'll be doing the weekend series preview, so I'll be previewing that Chicago series. Uh, also, I am now 5 for 5 on my series preview predictions. That is perfect. I don't know if you've heard. So whatever I say uh, goes for that one, that'll be gospel. It will happen. I will speak it into existence. Uh, hopefully my gut is feeling happy that day. So I uh, look forward to that. Yeah. Of course, always the Saturday Minor League reports. And uh, what do you have? First off, on your series predictions, I went on your A's one. I went down and I said, all right, Matt, you're going to be wrong here. Twins are taking three of four. Ooh. And, yeah. You really Can you just say pe- three of four? Can you have done that? You won a game. You dare test my magic? I, I I was really confident, too. I was like, can't wait to be on our next podcast. I'm going to be all, like, cheery about it. Get him with this one. Not quite. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, whatever. All right. Anyway, on uh, 
now Twins Daily, don't go to Twinkie Town. I won't be writing there <laughs> at Twins Daily. I will be putting up a feature article every Wednesday and then a, a game recap every Sunday. I just covered this Saturday because I was bored. But, yeah, Sunday and Wednesday are my days. On Wednesday, I think I'll be doing just kind of writing what we talked about today a little, how the top of the order bats have been struggling, and that leads to more losses when the key guys aren't hitting, obviously. But I think have some cool stats in there. Anyways, that's what I'm probably going to do this week. So, yeah, that's what I've got. Man, I feel like I should be getting, like, some sort of royalty check for inspiring that. Hey, you no, know? I had that. I put out my OPS tweet far before you did, and said anything. Uh, you know? I don't believe you. I I've been, don't believe you. Yeah, whatever. Hey, nope, I'm not. You just gave me some well, stats right down. That's all you did. Well, I feel like mine got more attention, so, you know. I oh, No, I'm, <laughs> on mine, I had some guy call come on and say, you know, I think these stats are not correct. And I was I was so surprised by that. I was like, I pulled them from Fangraphs. So I had this long <laughs> argument where he just kept telling me they weren't real, and I didn't know what to do. It's pretty fun. <laughs> Holy, that is a new level of galaxy brain. It's like, man, those numbers aren't correct. Like, <laughs> I do not know how to fundamentally argue against this. Yeah, he was, like, telling I, me I made them up as if that had any, like, substance to what was, like, as if that would give me anything at all. And they weren't good numbers, obviously. If I was going to make stuff up, I'd make it sound good. <laughs> Cooper is fake news. Hashtag that. <laughs> it was like rankings from the last 30 days, and this guy's just like, no, no, I don't think so. You're wrong. <laughs> You're wrong. I want to talk to your manager. Yeah, and then Twins Daily posts, like, the account posted something saying, on the entire season, the Twins bullpen has a is ranked sixth in the ERA, and he tagged me in it, and he's like, well, didn't you see this? And it's like, I told you pitching as a whole, and over the last 30 days, you're, oh, gosh, that guy. I'm, I was rattled. <laughs> Reading comprehension for some on Twitter is uh, not quite as high <laughs> as, you did, as, as you would like. It's, yeah. yeah. I went back and just deleted all the tweets because it was like a 20-series argument, so now it just looks like he was arguing with himself, so that's fun. <laughs> nice. Uh, we officially caught someone mad on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't happen too often. Oh, well. <laughs> oh, well. It doesn't happen. Nature of the game. Well, yeah, so I, I guess this is about it for us, huh? Yeah, this is it. This was a, a fairly spicy episode, I feel like. I hope it was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. as spicy as we're going to get, really. That's <laughs> right. Yeah, the uh, the mayonnaise of episodes. That's spicy <laughs> we got. Uh, but, uh, it's like the same voice just agreeing with itself for an hour and a half, and I love it. <laughs> well, I mean, evidently people want to listen to it. I don't know why. It's weird. Hey, it's it's cool. I think we're getting featured more this week too on Twins Daily. That's what I think. Yeah, yeah. Let's boost up our numbers so we can get our ad revenue up from zero to zero. <laughs> Fair enough. But, yeah. Anyways, uh, this has been Matt Cooper. We've been talking about the Twins. Another good episode. Uh, hopefully, the music is playing very loudly right now. At least starting to come in and. uh we will see you next week. Hopefully, unless life gets in the way again, like it did last week. Yeah, should be good. All right. See you next week. Bye. Right. See you.